Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I chat to Joel Adams, who bursts onto the pop scene in 2015, when his debut single, Please Don't Go, went viral around the world, and it's currently at over 500 million streams on Spotify. Then later on, Lifeguard Harrison joins me in the shack for Beach Banner, and I go to the mailbag to answer questions from the fans. Now let's have a listen to my chat with Joel. Today it's a pleasure to have in the Beach Shack musician Joel Adams. Welcome, Joel. What's going on, man? How are you? Yeah, mate. All good down here. Uh, currently you're up, uh, you're living in Brisbane at the moment? Yeah, living in Brisbane. Mate, we're going back. You burst into the uh, scene, the pop scene in 2015. So tell us a bit about that. Was it a, something you expected or, or something you just really uh, took off without you were really – knowing i mean it was really random eh? so i was doing a laboring job at the time for um one of my dad's handyman and um i had kind of been over and overseas because i graduated school around 2014 and um i basically like just put out this song please don't go and it kind of just blew up and it did it totally blew up didn't it what, what it was millions and millions of uh of hits on that yeah, it's quite a few, yeah. So at the time you um went on X Factor and you did you realise that uh it was something you wanted to do with music but when you were younger or it was just something that uh you know, I, I can see that uh you weren't a hundred percent sure whether you'd uh, give it a crack on X Factor. Uh I I kinda got told by one of my mates, she suggested that I did it and then I um was scrolling through Facebook on a on a Saturday and and it and the ad for the auditions and Brizzy came up so I was like oh wow that was the next day so I was like this is weird I might as well do it and then um I just went ahead and did it and I never really took it seriously until after X Factor maybe because I before that I was just doing music for fun you know just kind of mates would ask me to sing a song or something and I'd do it but but yeah, no, yeah. I kind of took it seriously afterwards I wasn't really thinking I'd make a career out of it ever. <laughs> And then you you sang the uh, a cover song for my, um, that Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney sang the the girl is mine. Yeah, yeah. I was a big. I've always been a big Michael Jackson, a big Beatles fan. So you know, I was really happy to sing that one. I still do it live sometimes too when I play gigs. What bands did you listen to when you were growing up? The, the, I mean, with my background, it's probably, uh, you know, a lot of 70s and 80s, so I'm more the, the rock, so the more the Uric Sess, Midnight Oil, you know, U2, that type of uh, yeah. music. Yeah, no, I listen to um, everything. I mean, I listen to In Excess, U2. I listen to every now and then John Farnham, and, you know. But um, when I was growing up, I mean, my dad was a real soul fan, so – I listened to a lot of Marvin Gaye, Al Green, you know, Temptations, Isley Brothers, you know, like, and 90s hip-hop and R&B like D'Angelo and 
yeah, Maxwell, all that type of stuff. Mate, how was it, uh, you know, when a lot of kids find it tough and, and, and I, I do a lot of, um, you know, down the beach as a lifeguard, we, we do a lot of stuff with kids and, and with mental health and things. And how was it, you know, going from a young kid at, at 15 then suddenly you uh, – you know, you become a, sort of a famous, you know, the fans, the, how do you deal with all that at that at that age? It can really uh, be sort of overawed by it At 15, um, oh, it was awesome. I loved it. Um, I think the main, the thing that was hard about it um, is kind of like the, when it all dies down and then yeah. you don't know how to kind of, you know, just, just come back to reality, I think. Is, is, is a hard thing because you the thing about those shows is they build you up so so much and then you know it's like as soon as the next season happens or kind of a couple months after you air it's like everyone kind of stops caring but but like it's just the way it is so so it, it, it's it's very interesting and then you obviously got to deal with you know going from like be on tv singing to like thousands of people in strip malls to then like you know, you're back at school doing your like your your, your QCS and all that stuff, yeah. and you're just like, it, it can be that that'd be the tricky thing about it. I don't think the um, I always found the the attention part of it, or like you know having this success part of it. I always found that a very gratifying thing, and you know it's just like that. That's always that that never affected me mentally. Um, it was more like that when it dies down is always the harder part. Yeah. And then did you have a period that it did die down a bit or it, it continued? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, like, especially when I did X Factor. Um, so, like, I did that and when I was 15 and then and I kind of had a little bit of a – I blew up a little bit and then it all died down. And then, I, you know, for the next two years I kind of just spent it, you know, working on my own music and – and just kind of trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do because I obviously, you know, got the bug for it once I did that. I was like, oh, I really think I could do this for a career, but I just need to kind of, you know, work on it a bit and kind of grow a bit more as a musician and start writing my own songs and, you know, doing what all the other people that actually are musicians do. So I, I started doing that and then obviously flew to America and then the song comes out and then, you know, the rest is kind of like took place. So you did. You moved over to LA uh, quite young, and and what was the reason to yeah. uh, to go over there? Uh, well, I was seventeen. I just finished school, and um, I had a manager at the time. And I, I pretty much the day after I graduated, I didn't instead of going to school, is I flew to America, and I um, lived there for about. I mean, on and off, I lived. I've lived in America for about six, seven years. The uh, second single, I think, "Fake Friends" in 2018 was that. That was uh, nominated as probably the 16th most influential artist in the world on Spotify for the 25 under uh, 25 list. Dude. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That that was cool. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, uh, amazing how things can come around so so quick and. But with this, the fake friends, is that something that came about by, you know, obviously when you do get popular, people sort of want to hang around more. Is, did they having to do with that name at all? To be honest, uh, yes, sort of. Not really. The song wasn't really about me. It was actually about someone else. Yep. It was about um, one of my 
or someone I'd just been with and, and I was just kind of like, they were letting it get to their head. Um, and also to be honest, a lot of the songs I write are about like concepts, but they're not usually about someone yeah. or, or a certain thing. Sometimes it's more just like a, a concept and I'm trying to build on it, but that song wasn't actually about me. No, it was about someone else and just kind of like seeing them kind of change from who they were to who they became. Right. But yeah, I never really, um, maybe it's just because I'm who I am or way I've grown up, but I've never really let myself get around people who are kind of, you know, yes men or something like that. I've always had pretty, you know, grounded mates that have always, you know, told me the truth. Don't really blow smoke up my ass. Yeah, yeah. And good thing. And most of it is very good to be like that. It's um something that uh, a lot of people listening always write in and, and, and say that, you know, the people that we um we have on this podcast that they say the same thing. It's great how grounded a lot of the people are that come on and it's not uh mm. you know, it's so easy to, to think you're bigger than, than anyone else, you know, when people start smoking you know, bring smoke up your ass and things like that. So, you know, that that's really, mm. really good to hear. And also, um over the COVID period, how did you handle that? Were you in LA when that that started in COVID? Because uh, a lot of the music industry pretty much stopped at that time. Yeah, so I was in LA around March when it all it, it was kind of like bubbling in like February, January, February in China, and then when it really in March is when it started to get to the states, and then get to like Australia and you know that's when all those like you know lockdowns started and um travel bans so I was I was in America and I think I came back home in April just before you started having to do the hotel quarantine yep and then basically flew flew back here and then kind of just while I was while I was here in Australia I just kind of wrote songs and kind of worked in the studio couldn't do gigs so I just, you know, kind of just took it easy and. Yep. What uh, what what gigs did you do in in the uh, in LA? Did you have a a lot of gigs when you were over there? To be honest, man, I didn't really play a lot. I, I, I did like um, I did a few I did a few things, but mostly I would because I because I was only playing songs with uh, shows where I could play my own songs. It's very hard to get gigs like that um, because then you obviously got to sell tickets, and there's only so many shows you can do in one city. Yeah. So I would do uh, maybe like six to ten gigs a year, which is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the time I studio working. So yeah. Whereas, um, you know, now that I've been back, I've been gigging around with a bunch of mates. You know, doing like open mic nights. So I've been playing quite a bit, and then obviously doing my own shows as well as that. Um, but yeah, I'm getting to play a little bit more around Brizzy locally, which has been really good. But um. But yeah, no. When I was in LA, I didn't do a lot of shows. Who's the uh, most influential person you think that, that in music that you you write a lot of songs? Do you base it on anything, or you just base it on your own sort of um, personality, or or what you're doing in in your life? It's hard to say. I mean, to be honest, a lot of um, the music I think that I make is regurgitated from other music that I listen to. So. You know, a, a lot of the stuff is just, you know, me mimicking something that I've heard that I feel like is, you know, it's a feeling or something that I that I got when I listened to a certain song. So, you know, I really like um, 
there's a lot of artists that I really like, but I like a lot of like old school stuff. So yeah, I think kind of thing is taking stuff that worked back and then, and then trying to recreate it and make it modern. But as for singers now that I really like, I've always been a huge Bruno Mars fan because I think he's just a, a an amazing musician. I've always liked Matt Corby. There's a lot of I, I really like that band Lab yep. right now in New Zealand. A lot of actually, there's a lot of good New Zealand artists right now that are coming out. So yeah, I've just been listening to a lot of them. And but I, I'm always trying to like listen to new stuff and 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 kind of. For me, writing music is more about the music than it is the lyrics. Yep. Like, I've never been very good at writing lyrics, so I, I find my enjoyment coming from, you know, actually playing the instruments and, and doing that. So musically, it's always that's that's what I kind of write off. Do you enjoy playing live? or Because, I mean, back in the day when, when I was growing up, it was pretty much – to become anybody in, in the in the rock industry, you said you had to do your time in pubs and and play live gigs to be known and, and get seen and and go from there. Whereas now it's more a lot of studio work. You know, it goes out on all the different platforms. Mm. You, you don't have to do as much live anymore. But do you find that the live gigs are, are, are what you really like uh, rather than just being in the studio? Oh man, I, I try and play three gigs a week at least. Yeah. I love playing gigs. No, I play my shows and everything, but I, I kind of do a lot of low-key stuff on the side just to kind of keep playing live. I love playing live. I think it's um, it always makes you better, and um, I, I just have a great time. I think there's still that, that, that's still a thing, like playing live gigs. Um, you know, there's a few bands in, in Brizzy that come out of the live scene just playing in the Valley. Uh, I'm sure it's this, similar in Sydney. But, um, but, yeah, it's definitely these days a lot more in the studio, especially for the more kind of pop stuff. Yeah, and no, I, I find it, it it died off for, for a while there, but I think it, it is definitely starting to come back, the live music, and and uh, especially in Sydney. I mean, as you said, Brisbane as well. I think that's slowly starting to, to come back a, a lot more than what it has been. Yeah, and that's really good because, you know, I, I don't think I think it's way better going and watching live music, and um, I, I just love like the interaction and going and watching like really good bands play, and you know even like even when you go to a, a bar and there's just a good good artist like someone good play a good band playing, it always makes it so much better. Like while you're there having a drink. Well, mate, you got a, a new single um, called Goodbye. That's uh, yep. Where did uh, that stem? That's just a recent one you've written. Yeah, no, I wrote. Um, so I wrote that song when I was in LA last twenty nine. Uh, no, uh, end of twenty nineteen, start of twenty twenty. Timeline's kind of blurry, but I wrote that song then and kind of just it was more a more a concept song than it was an actual something that's actually happened to me. But um. Yeah, and I wrote the song and then um, just kind of spent all of last year kind of producing it. It, it took actually a very long time. I did like five versions to it. So, um, but yeah, no, it's coming out yep. very soon, which I'm very excited about because um, I'm kind of sick of listening to it on my own. So, <laughs> yeah. have other people hear it. <laughs> so, when you say that, you know, it takes a, a long time. So, just for people you know, listening that don't understand how music's all put together and What's the process of you know you sit down you start mapping out what you want to do and in, with the music and then sort of where's it go from there? Yeah, it's 
it's always it's always pretty different. So like you obviously start writing a song. Sometimes you write a song off um, a concept or some lyrics that you've written down in, in a you know in a note or something like that. Or, or a lot of the times for me it's um, I'll be playing like in on my own and I'll, I'll just come up with some chords or something and then I'll start singing over it. And, uh, like you're kind of pretending it into existence. And then after you do that, you write the song that's all written then you've got to produce it, which is, to me, producing has always been the hard part because it's, you know, it's a very meticulous, it's tedious. Mm. Um, kind of, you gotta, it's like everything's got to sound right and you've got to mix songs and there's just a lot of things. You know, a lot of the times, like, you cho- you, you make the song and then it's too fast or it's too slow, so you've got to restart everything. So it can be a real pain in the ass. And it takes a lot of, like, just patience. So th- this song, Goodbye, we did, I think I started, the first version I started, and I think it was May, then scrapped that, and then did another version in June, scrapped that, did another version in, like, August. And then only this year I was able to finish the song. So it took, like, about a year to kind of finish it. And I wasn't, like, working on it every day because sometimes, like, I, I was working on multiple things, but... It, it can take a very long time. And then sometimes, you know, you'll go into the studio and you'll write and produce the song on the same day. Right. And it, it's just weird, but it changes always. Well, does it get frustrating though? Because you just – see, if that was me, I'd want to, I wanted to get it out and it would get frustrating the longer it went on. So does, does their frustration come in when you, you – and the reason why you did different versions is just you weren't happy with – what you had or what was the reason? There? Yeah, you just can't tell when it doesn't sound right. It's hard to say, but you know what? It's, you just got this kind of picture in your head and you got to make it, you got to make the match. And also like it's, it, it's just, there's just so many things that go into it. But um, usually when, when that starts to happen, I'll just step away from it and just work on something else because you don't want to hate the process. You just got to, you know, it, it's just a day by day thing. Because if you start to hate the process, you hate the song. And that, that's not what you want. Yeah, that would be pretty difficult then, wouldn't it? Because you probably wouldn't be able to – once you got to the point of hating the song, you, you'd probably be <laughs> tough to try and turn it around and, and actually uh, produce it. You just probably want to throw it away. Yeah, and a lot of the times, like, in the past, that's what I've done. So I've, had, I've just had to learn through, like, you know, experience just not to – if it's not working, it's not working. you just got to step away from it, come back another day. Well, what's the plan in the future is to, to go back to L.A.? Uh, man, to be honest, I'm not really – I mean, I'm not looking to go back anytime soon. I'm very happy where I am right now. I'm loving being back in Australia. I, I wanted to come back to Australia for quite a while. So um, it was kind of like, in a way, COVID kind of like gave me that opportunity to come back and see what it's like out here. And I've really had a good time, you know, meeting a lot of – musicians out in Australia and, you know, reconnecting with all my old mates. And, you know, I've been li- I've been living in between Brizzy and Gold Coast. So, you know, just been having a good time, like, you know, enjoying myself and relaxing and, you know, getting to play live music all the time and going out and drinking with mates. So, you know, it, it's been it's been really good. And I, I think also, like, I want to be able to I, – I think if you, if you can't make it in your hometown – you can't really make it anywhere else. So yeah. I think I want to be able to, you know, make some sort of a career out here before I go to America or, or, or anywhere else because I think, um, you know, it's a stepping stone. 
and also just like I don't, I, you would, I feel like you wouldn't want to be anywhere else, anyways, in, than Australia right now. It's, it, we're, we're so lucky with everything that's been happening. Like you look at the rest of the world, uh, you know, it, it's such everyone's struggling, and we've been very fortunate. So I think, yeah, I'll, I'll be here for a bit longer. Yeah, I mean, we have been very lucky. We, you know, we've been touched with it here and there, but yeah, definitely know it like the rest of the world and we've, we're still getting around doing pretty much what we normally do. So it's been uh, mm. not too bad for us in Australia. You've got a couple no. of uh, bigger gigs coming up as uh, uh, one in Melbourne um, and also another yep. one in Sydney. So that uh, yeah. that's quite exciting. Yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't played shows in Melbourne or Sydney in a while. Um, especially Sydney. I haven't played. I don't think I've played in Sydney for about four, uh, two, two years or something. So it'll be nice to come out do a gig and play the new music and um, yeah, see the crowds. So so yeah, looking forward to that one big time. So you'll you'll be playing the uh, bit of the older old stuff and uh, and and some of your new stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be. I did um two shows uh, recently in Brisbane and um, Goldie and um. So I'll be playing, you know, all those songs that, that that people already know, and all the new stuff that that um that people haven't heard yet. So it'll be good. Mate, sounds good. Just a, a couple of questions I, I throw at everyone, you know, because I'm a, a lifeguard. So I've always thrown: Have you ever been caught in a rip at, at all at any stage in your life? Actually, don't think I have. Hey, eh? uh, maybe I don't remember. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think if I did, I'd remember. <laughs> probably so, would. Not, yeah, probably not. No. And also, what what does the ocean mean to you? I mean, it does the ocean? A lot of musicians I've spoken to go, "Oh, yeah, the ocean." I sit there and watch it. It it, it triggers their minds for for music. Or, but has it got any reflection there for you? The ocean? You, you say you you go down the Gold Coast a bit. Man, it's it's very peaceful. I used to um. I don't really surf that much, but um, when I did surf, I would always, you know, go out, you know, past all the waves and go out the very back and just sit there for like, you know, a good half an hour. And it's kind of, you know, you, you're up at like, you know, five in the morning um, before everyone else and you're kind of out there and, and, it, and, it, and it's very, um, it's very meditative, like, you know, kind of being out there makes you uh, realise how, how small of a, you know, part of everything else you are. And, and it's very relaxing. I love, I mean, I love, I don't think there's many Australians that don't love the beach, but yeah, no, it's uh the thing, the ocean is, uh, is a very calming thing for me. Yeah. I mean, there's always, yeah, everyone seems to have a connection at some way with the, with the ocean. It's an amazing, uh, amazing energy. I think that, uh, that people uh, underestimate, but also can really enjoy. Oh, absolutely. I love it. And, um, I'm definitely looking to move back down to the coast soon so I can be near it all the time. Well, Joel, mate, it's uh, great having you uh, having a chat today, uh, coming into the Beach Shack and uh, talking music. And uh, hopefully, uh, you've got uh, a big future coming up. You've got a lot of gigs coming up, and hopefully, uh, COVID gets a lot better so all you guys in that music industry can get out and play a lot more live gigs. Yeah, mate. Thank yeah. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for having me. And yeah, hopefully soon we can um we can get things back to the way they were. But um, besides that, man, thanks so much so much for having me. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day, brother.
It was great having Joel in the Beach Shack. Joel's new single called Goodbye is out now. Next up, Beach Banner with Lifeguard Harrison. Now this week in the Beach Shack, we've got Harrison, Nutty. Cheers, Hop. Thanks, thanks for having me. Mate, thanks for coming into the Beach Shack. Mate, uh, we've had a lot of um, marine animals come in over the years, and but we've um, you seem to get the one in the skate park all the time, and that's uh, Jesse had it once. Yeah, and then you had it as well, the rat. M- mate, I did. I, the thing with me as well, people don't know, I'm scared of spiders and I'm scared of rats. <laughs> and coming to Australia from New Zealand, there's plenty of spiders here, which I don't cope well with. And there's obviously rats. And I remember seeing that episode of Jesse dealing with it. And it was, it was it's one of the funniest episodes ever him, with the rat launching at him. And um, I, yeah, I've, like you see them, you know, running around every now and then if you go for a run around the park or something. But, you know, they're, you know, they're more scared of you that take off. And uh, I never thought I'd be in a position where I'd have to catch one. And I remember one morning, I was in the tower, I got a knock at the door. There was a little grommet there, just with these smiling air to air, going, mate, there's a, <laughs> there's a rat in the skateboard, you've got to get it out. I go, far out, All right? Yeah, sweet, mate. And so I went down, got, got the broom, got this bucket, and uh, made my way down there. And the thing it was then, they were actually filming for Bondi Rescue. And so... And there was a big crowd down there. So when you walk into this crowd at the skate bowl and you've got a camera crew, you know, following you, your ego's high, <laughs> you know, you're a bit cocky and confident. I go, oh, yeah, I've got this. And it was in the big bowl and I slid down and this rat was a huge sucker. Like yeah. it looked like a baby cat. Yeah. And I'm just going, oh, my no, oh, no. I'm out of my depth here. Like why did I go? Anyway... Threw the thing on it, the and it kind of uh, the bucket the, threw the big bucket down on it, and it made its way into it. And I was holding back, and one of the kids just went down and uh, and closed it for me. Right. Did all the work, and then he tried to walk it out. I go, yeah. oh, hold on, mate, <laughs> give me the thing. Yeah. <laughs> the camera's here. I'm walking out with it, mate. I'm going to be one looking like a hero. So it all went all went really smoothly, and I didn't really have to engage with it much, and got a round of applause, and and back to work, and uh, made it look pretty easy. But then it was just recently, about two, three days ago, I was in the tower and there was another knock at the door. Yep. There's another grommet goes, there's two rats in the skate bowl. Not <laughs> one, but two. <laughs> we had a few guys working, uh, working that day. So luckily had Jethro with me, went down there and we thought, how are we going to do this? Mate, we went up there. No word of a lie, there was two rats. Yep. But one of them had their head stuck in the drain trying to escape. So you just see it's, it's two back legs and its tail going mat, going ham and its head's just stuck in the drain. I'm like, I'm not touching this thing. I'm not touching it. And we threw it down and actually we I took the shovel and the broom. And I remember Jethro was in there and I threw the shovel down. I went, collected Jethro, nearly yeah, split yeah. him open. <laughs> and another worker's cop. <laughs> went in there and um, so we're in there and this other rat's in the back corner. And I'm just standing by. And then Jethro, with the, with his hat, yeah. just goes and grabs this thing right. that's stuck in the drain. And the noise it was making was, oh, ear-piercing. Yeah. It was just screeching. And he's trying to take it out. And he finally took it out. And the rat, this little rat gets out. Mate, it starts chasing him and chases me. I jump out of the bowl <laughs> that high again. Anyway, So, so I wasn't was, impressed that Jethro uh, maybe pulled it was, him out. Maybe it was trying to get the other way. It wasn't happy. And then so it was just a... Full arena of comedy for everyone else yeah. watching. They yeah. thought it was hilarious. 
I was shitting myself. I thought, <laughs> what am I going to do here? Jethro starts doing the work, gets one of them, we need to get the other one in. So we get manage to get... We. <laughs> Jethro manages to get them both in. And I'm just kind of delegating. Anyway, so we're carrying it out. We didn't realise in the one of the top corners of the box yep. underneath, there's a hole in it. Right. So I'm holding it, thinking it's all good. Mate, the thing drops out onto my foot. <laughs> it touches my foot, mate. The box goes, everything, both rats are gone. I'm jumped fully out of the bowl. Everyone's laughing again. Jethro's got the shits with me because he did all this work and it's done, you know, gone to nothing. Mate, it fully went for an hour, yeah. this thing. We, we managed to get them managed to get them back in the box, of Jethro did, and then uh, release them back in the wild right yeah. next to the skate park. So, look, they're probably in so- there the next day from when the other guys rocked up. <laughs> So they'll be back in again. I wonder why they go in there. There's not really any food or anything in there. They must must go around at night and just fall in there. Yeah, to slide down the wall because it's pretty deep, that that bowl. There's no way you can. I struggle to get out. (laughs) (laughs) Need a winch to get me out. So, um, and then, you know, it's always, you know, when we get called, it's always the morning. So, um, you know, kids rock up just skating in the morning and find them. Yeah, first thing in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. uh, Well, Thanks for the uh, story, the rat story. I hope you overcome your fear one day. <laughs> mate, next time I'm just going to call you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not b- much better with it, mate. <laughs> All right, I'll, uh, th- thanks for coming to the Beach Shack and uh, we'll catch up soon. Cheers, Hop. Thank you. Thanks, Harrison, for joining me in the Beach Shack. Coming up next, I answer letters from the fans. This one's from Nave, and he's uh, from India. Do you need other languages to be a Bondi lifeguard? Well, it's not necessary to have other languages uh, as a lifeguard at Bondi, but it would be very helpful considering uh, how many uh, people come from around the world and visit Bondi Beach. But, uh, yeah, a few of us have uh, have got other languages. I know uh, Yates used to uh, be able to speak a bit of Balinese. Uh, Mario's Italian, so he knows uh, a pretty fluent Italian uh, and a few other people know bits and pieces, uh, enough to get by to uh, tell people to get out of a rip and move between the red and yellow flags. So thanks for your uh, question. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.